Welcome to another episode of Otra Por Favor. This one is going to be uh, a quick intro. Um, I ran into some technical issues, but they, they are now fixed. Uh, it was a recording with Arch Bell. Um, and the video damage, the video file was damaged. However, I was able to repair it, repair it and now it's good to go. The quality won't be the as good as I wanted it to, but you know what? Sometimes you work with what you got. The reason why I'm doing this is because there's a couple of things that have happened, uh, and and these ones are starting to touch some sensitive fibers, and they're starting to to somehow this type of stuff cost division. Um, the the episode with Archie was about the awesomeness of the sport and the beauty of of the game itself. Especially when you're working and you're putting on yourself and you're 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 writing or you're covering for a confederation or tournaments and and you know how to get there and and uh, the experience behind everything that's, that Archie has gone through is great and I love it and I think I hope we we continue to have more more stories about that. But there's two things that I I want to highlight that are wrong and have happened. The first one is. The message that uh, Kulo Cascante received from this one stupid guy, I don't know where, I think he's in Detroit. I just want to say that we condone any act of racism or anything that has to do with racism here. We don't accept it. We are with Julio. And we just want to point this out because it is not right. Um, I know in, in, in football, in soccer, we don't agree with how you know, a player might play or 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 the position he's playing at or, you know, tactics or whatever. But that's that's part of the game. You know, that's part of us talking about the, the, the game itself. But once you take it to a place where there's racism and attack towards the family, that is just stupid. Um, that should be considered a crime, in my opinion. And th that is not free speech. I, I don't think... The founding fathers of this country, when they they mentioned free speech, they they talked about allowing you to be racist. Uh, no, that's not what they meant. Um, I I know uh, that the team is back in Cascante as they should, and it's pointed out because stuff like this should not be taken lightly. There's been a lot of bullshit that's been going on in this country, um, and and we we have to to we I don't know. If, it's ever going to end, but we have to highlight the problems. We have to highlight it and, and find solutions, find find ways to where um, just awareness itself, uh, knowing that this type of stuff can can be harming. This type of stuff can 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 you know can just lead to more than just an insult, because when when you allow something negative to grow it's gonna grow like cancer and and this racism like this cancer of racism um that's in in the country is it's just bad uh i wish you know we don't have to be living in this situation for anyone any player from any team anyone in general any any individual in this country i wish they didn't have to f go through what cascante went through um and I probably mentioned earlier, but we're Cante and here another por favor, you have a you have our support and just you know, just to know that we, we love you 
we might agree with you sometimes, but we're here for you. Also, there was the the semifinal between Mexico and the U.S. It, it's a growing rivalry, and it's it's a rivalry that's that I think has a lot more to it than just the game. Um, but when this type of games are played, and you know you 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 win or lose, you have to learn how to win or lose this type of games. You have to learn how to take the L, you know, whenever you don't win and, and learn how to win and, you know, and, and then just keep it in the field, keep it about the football, keep it. Yeah, you can be competitive and, and probably brag about how many titles one has over the other or how many uh, players are going to Rio, Europe more more than the other. That's fine. That's that's great when you talk about it. And you you know you you talk about you know how, why the why the argument the U.S. is better than Mexico or why Mexico is better than the U.S. Um, bring out some valid points, conversation, a little banter here and there. That's great, but when anything escalates outside of the sport, and this goes in both ways, there's we we are become it's it's becoming very very I would say very toxic. Uh, there's one thing to, you know, de, de tirarnos y acá de, de, de hablar y, y, y decirnos ciertas cosas. But when when we start, we start just, the culture itself, when we start just downing on one culture, um, that's when I feel like it's wrong. Uh, I, I see it as when Mexico wins, sometimes as Mexicans, we take it a little too far, and I've seen it vice versa. I'm not going to point out like any specific detail, but it's just what I've seen in social media. Um, and, and one thing that I want to highlight is is uh, I have friends from, from both sides. You know, I'm, I live here. I have, have to have friends from both sides, from Mexico and the U.S. I'm a Mexican. I was born in Mexico. I've been in this country for 23 years. Uh, I love, you know, the place I was born, which is Mexico, my, my culture, everything around it. It's great. And I, and I embrace it. But I also learn, have learned to love the U.S. because of the opportunities this country has given me. Now, I might not agree with certain things and how, you know, we, we haven't been given that the certain, certain, not even, I would say privileges, but, but certain uh, a way for us to continue to, to, to contribute to the country uh, in, in regards to immigration. But at the end of the day, I love both countries. I I appreciate both countries, and um, I know sometimes it's it's hard, but I love the perfect and imperfect parts from both countries. But what I want to say is for for the fans on both sides to not generalize the cultures. Um, I'm gonna talk first to you know to to the Mexican side. Whenever our team doesn't win. It's not right for us to throw, you know, stuff in the field. It's not right for us to, yeah, or, or the, the puto chant. Uh, I know I'm saying a word, but it's for for s several people. It just doesn't, you know, they they're offended by it and they they somehow feel as uh, some sort of uh, homophobic speech. And I understand that part. Uh, for some, is just a, a a word that we say to our friends. I mean, we, 
you know, off the camera, when I play soccer with my friends, sometimes we call each other that uh, because we feel like there's a different meaning. But I think there, you, you just, it goes with learning how to read the room and learning how to, um, you know what, para qué? Like, why say it? Why continue to say it? Why just, you know, take away um, the awesomeness of the of the game for everyone, you know, just because you want to act like a jerk in the, in the field or, or not in the field, in the stands. Um, it It's a word that I know you probably just think is, you know, es una palabra solamente. And that's, that's fine. But we should know when to just stop. We should know when to just, you know what? Para que le seguimos? Uh, now, I know there's been a lot of wrong stuff that has been going on in the Federation and how they have been doing a lot of things that don't go the right way. Trust me, I get that. I feel the same way. I really didn't end up watching the game on Thursday because I knew the preparation from, you know, the logistics, everything. It wasn't going to be a good result. And also, I didn't watch it because I knew, I knew it was going to get toxic. And, you know, it, it was just going to be a, the banter was just going to be not about the game, but it was going to be, uh, you know, related to cultural issues and, 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 and everything that has to be wrong about one culture. So my point is, um, I think as Mexico, we, I know we're hurt from a lot of things. I know we're hurt from, from everything that's been going wrong. And, and, and sometimes the, the wrong seems more than the right for us. Sometimes we feel like we've experienced a lot of, you know, negative more than positives, especially in soccer. But, you know, I, I just want to point out, if you really, really, really want to find a way to, um, a, a way to, to protest is just do what you, everyone did or most of everyone did on Sunday. Don't go to the game. Don't buy the tickets. If you really want to make a case, no vayan. Quédense en la casa. Hagan una carne asada. Pásela con su familia. No les den el dinero a, a la federación para que la federación realmente vea que, que el cambio puede pasar. Y tienen que escuchar a, a la gente. Tienen que escuchar a lo, al, al consumidor. Porque el consumidor es el que está comprando los boletos. Y es el que les está dando los fondos para que puedan hacer estos tours en, en Estados Unidos. Pero el chiste es, es de sabernos comportar. Eh, que no nos agarre la, la emoción, somos gente de, de sangre caliente, me incluyo yo mismo, pero hay que llevarla tranquilo, hay que saber cuándo perdemos, cuándo ganamos, y hay que saber que, que todos, los, todos los fans no somos iguales. Every fan in Mexico, you know, it's not the same. You know, we, we do have a lot of stuff that have hurt us and have, you know, you know sometimes the examples that we get from, from the people up there are not the best examples, but I feel like at the end of the day, it's up to us. And to prove everyone, not 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 prove everyone else, but prove ourselves that we are not los, los de siempre, los mismos, los desmadrosos. Sí, hay que echar desmadre, pero con, con respeto, con, con, con sabiduría, ser más mansos en vez de mensos. Y hay que llevarla tranquilo. Uh, one thing I also want to highlight, say, on the, on the American side, on the, on the U.S. I know the U.S. is a powerhouse. Economically, you know, military and in and, and every aspect is a powerhouse. But when when you when we win, we just have to, you know, yeah, take win. 
but don't leave it in the field. Don't don't start generalizing anyone and everything for how they speak English, you know, or whatever language. Um, don't don't. Uh, this country was is is it's so diverse, and there's so many beautiful cultures here that. Every time we beat somebody, yeah, we can talk about it. You know, the team, how the U.S. can be better than Mexico or this and that. That's fine. That's great. But don't bring that argument about, you know, who's better than, than the other when it comes to everything outside of that, outside of this pitch, outside of soccer. Um, and and don't generalize every Mexican or everyone else. Uh, be a little more diligent on, on you know, when you criticize a, you know a team or, or you criticize a country you know if the country's not doing good you know yeah the country's not doing good that's fine the, in soccer but don't 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 put don't put salt on the wound whenever you know that there's some shit that's been going on in that country because you don't know what the people have gone through you don't know what you know you don't know what the reasons why people are in this country and you don't know the reasons why they're they're trying to contribute here and they're here supporting their team you know that's that's from another country just try to understand it don't generalize it not everyone's the same nobody nobody's perfect we all know that but at the end of the day leave it in the pitch when you win because the team the the u.s national team is doing great because they're allowing to you know to allowing players to go to europe and and compete in higher level that's great you know what that's awesome you you guys or everyone in the U and seems like a, a U.S. Soccer Federation is is doing great things, and of course there's always room for improvement. Where you know you want to create better opportunities for and and maybe you know find a way to to put an end to the pay to play, so you have more people playing. You know in 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 the U.S. soccer system, whether it's the MLS or the national teams, but leave it at leave it at that. Leave anything that makes you a good. Because of the resources of this country, leave it at just football, as as the sport. Um, we 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 have to do better as a society, and and everything starts with with football. Anyone, you know, incidents that occur in the stands, they don't just occur in the stands in Mexico. They occur in the stands in every place in the world. There's countless of of events that have occurred that are not the best scenarios and not best examples that talk about soccer. But I I, I want I want to continue to to highlight the, the beauty of the sport, the beauty of the people that make the sport, the beauty of the cultures that make the sport. And I want to highlight the good parts, but also want to be able to, you know, to highlight when something is not right. And I think these are two I know maybe in the pitch, maybe the way things are done in, in different countries, you know, sorry, and things are done in countries is different, but it, it's there. Um, let's keep it in the pitch. Let's, you know, outside of it, shake hands, buy a beer to each other. You know, that goes for everyone. That goes for Austin fans. That goes for Houston fans. That goes for Dallas fans. That goes for Mexico fans. That goes for U.S. fans. You know, every fan in the world, you know. At the end of the day, the, the most beautiful part that I've seen for me is whenever I I've gone to the to a place and watch a game, and I'm hanging out with a guy, you know, from Real Madrid, me as a Barcelona fan, and watching the Clásico, talking, you know, 
a little smack here and there about the Clásico de Messi, Ronaldo. But at the end of the day, you know what? It would be cool to just have a beer, hang out, and and enjoy the moment. Um, I know we can do better. I know we can be better. And, and I hope you guys uh, feel, if you guys want to do something, it goes, I hope you guys feel motivated by Archie's story. So without any further ado, here it is. And also thank you, still Austin, for this amazing gift that you guys given us. Uh, we appreciate it. How are you today, Archie? I'm doing great. I'm I'm doing great. It's nice to be here. Can I call you Archie or Arch? It you know what? In high school everybody called me Archie. Okay. So that's that's perfectly fine. Um so like our, our good friend Jorge Turale, he likes to call me Archie, so that's that's totally he calls me Archie Campana. So that's Archie fine. Campana. Un besote donde quiera que sea Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a very good friend of, of the pod. Yeah. Uh just in general, a great a great human being. Um I want to introduce, uh, well, really quick, let me just, you know, thank, thanks to everyone to an, listening to another episode of Otra Por Favor. I uh, appreciate you guys. You get a chance to, to spend time with us, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, or any platform where we, we uh, produce, the po- we deliver, we release the podcast. Um, it's, it's, it's an honor. It's actually over two years, and then, you know, the, the, Stories that we get, they're great, amazing guests that we bring in. And today is not the exception. Um, I've been doing a little research about Archie, uh, and I have some some stuff. And then, you know, I mean, <laughs> you it, it won't be stuff, huh? you got some stuff, but it won't be nothing bad, I promise. Uh. <laughs> uh, but it's pretty cool. It's uh, the way I, 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 I feel about this podcast is, you know, there's like right now, nowadays, football is very facts very you know punch 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 but sometimes we don't really just take the chance to have a conversation analyze it and sit back and Archie is a the guy that I've seen his work and it's just you know it's it's very it's it's it's, it's a very how can you, you it's a way to contribute to to the to the sport to the culture and also when you communicate to the masses uh for me it, it's a motivation because uh your story, how it started, uh, how you started learning Spanish, and you know you took the chance, you took your risk and better on yourself. That's that's yeah, a, an that's article that I, that I read, and yeah. and I think for 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 a lot of us that are you know somehow starting or you know still smaller you know that are finding our, ourselves into spaces or getting access to different places, um, it's it's a motivation to have people like you in the industry that is always willing to help anyone out in any way possible. And I've also seen it because you know I'm part of the social the 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 media you know group we have on Twitter. So uh-huh. you you bring out some pretty pretty good stuff for everyone that's helpful. Um, before we get into the life of Archie, I want to say thank you to Still Austin. They are our new uh, sponsor, and they give us a couple of bottles of whiskey uh, today. We are drinking the orange. Mango Express. Um, Delicious. What do you think? Delicious. I mean, it is. I mean, I, I had to stop myself from drinking it because I wanted to make sure <laughs> there was still something in the glass because I was enjoying it. It was going down very, very smoothly. Hey, we can always take a break and get one more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this one's straight straight whiskey with orange mango puree, um, wild cherry bitters, and a hint of 
lime juice mm. just you know to freshen up in this heat because yes. it's hot really hot i mean can you imagine being out and just playing in this heat and the guys are going to be playing right you know in this heat and it's you know even at an 8 30 kickoff it's still super hot yeah it's it's hot out there yeah we, we were um i went to play soccer with some friends yesterday and we started playing at seven and we said <laughs> nah let's start 7 30 next time but yeah. man, they have yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, it's so hot now that they have to even move the time from seven thirty to eight thirty. Eight thirty, which is great because it allowed us to to record with you. Yes, you have a busy schedule. Um, you just you literally went from from the final of the Concacaf Champions to the league, the Nations League, Nations League, and then now you're gonna go to Chicago for the Gold Cup. For Gold Cup, yes, it's uh, a, it is a Concacaf summer. I mean. Full to the full, um, and then after that, leaks cup. The leaks cup, right? So, yeah. man, I appreciate you coming by, swinging, even you know, just just that, like that little inch we had. Like, you know what? Let's do it. Yeah, we did. I'm glad. <laughs> now it's it's great. Um, before we get into the football and how you got involved with everything that surrounds the Concacaf and and all your 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 writing, I want to first dive into your family. Your your you know you um the life of Archie. Can you? Just let uh, the audience know a little bit more about you, where you're origi originally from, and, and when did you move to Austin? Sure. Uh, so I'm a born and raised in Midland, Texas, so out in West Texas. Um, you know, there might be people who listen to this, uh, this podcast and they say, where's Midland? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, five hours west, and if, if you're driving, uh, big oil and gas country out there, of course. Mm -hmm. So uh, born and raised in Midland, played soccer growing up out there in, in Midland you know, in the dust storms and everything in the spring and stuff like that. Uh, so originally, originally from Midland, I ended up, um, I didn't go to high school out there. My, uh, my parents shipped me off to boarding school in New England in Massachusetts of all places. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I did that. And then, um, I went to college at Furman university in Greenville, South Carolina. So two different spots for both high school and college. Uh, but after that I was ready to come home to Texas. So in July, of 2000 after i lived in houston for about a year and a half and then mm -hmm. in july of 2000 I, I moved here to austin and have been here ever since and like so many people who have been here for a while i've seen the the city transform and change um and never would in a million years when i landed in austin would have ever thought that like an mls team would come to to austin i mean i was just excited when one ended up in houston mm -hmm. when the when the, the dynamo came to uh, houston in 2006 but the fact that there's one in austin now is still it still kind of boggles my mind to a certain extent. We're still extent. trying to pinch our our, uh, our skin. Yeah, is yeah. this real? <laughs> I mean, especially you know, working in in media, and instead of having to drive you know two two and a half three hours down to BBVA down in mm -hmm. Houston to to maybe go interview a player, it was like, oh, it's fifteen minutes that way, and, I, and so that's a lot better. Um, so yeah, it's uh, that's that's worked out nicely. So yeah, I mean, twenty three, gosh, twenty three years now here in Austin. What what is something you cherish from from living in the city? Um, I love the outdoor spaces that we have in this city. You know, Town Lake, I think for me is uh, is kind of the the true jewel of the city. The okay. Town Lake, the hike and bike trail, and in Town Lake, and uh, I'm a I'm a member of the Austin Rowing Club, so that's something that I do. Frequently, I, I like to go out on 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 Town Lake and, and just and row 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 my boat. I, I'll take <laughs> out. so I'll, I'll row um, I'll row a boat on on Town Lake once or twice a week, and um, it's uh, it's a family sport. Uh, my my wife does it, my daughter does it. So 
Um, it's for me, that's really my favorite thing about Austin is just, uh, it's just all the outdoor things you can do. And, and it's a particular note, somebody from Midland, mm-hmm. I mean, growing up in Midland, have you been out to Midland? I have not. <laughs> I think the, the, the more like driving, the more, the farthest I've gone West is Marfa. Marfa. So in Midland, it's, it's flat, it's dry. There's no water. Mm-hmm. There's no, I mean, the nearest lake is like two hours away, two, two and a half hours away. There's no hills there's no trees so to to be in a place like austin where all of those things are available is um is great so that's what uh, for me that's really uh the the heart and soul of the city i think that's what drives a lot of people to the city because it's, it's very similar to california in a sense we don't have a beach of course but california has the mountains they have a lot of rivers the desert and the beach and it's up within a two hour drive right. with traffic right. without traffic it's probably even less. So that's why I think it, it's a, it's a pretty cool place to live. And even for me, even if it's transforming to, you know, to a little more of a bigger city, yeah. metropolitan, yeah. it's still, I like it. I love living here. Yes. Um, it for me is it's always either Houston I mean Austin, Houston, if not LA, but it's a, it's between those three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean Houston, Houston has a lot of its of its own charms. I think if you live kind of in the center of Houston, it's 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 actually you know it's nice and and uh, there's a lot of stuff to do. I mean, talk about a cultural city and mm-hmm. all the different types of people and languages and I mean the restaurants are fantastic. But yeah, Austin is a very very special place. I mean, University of Texas is here, and I think. I think when you have a, a big state university mm-hmm. in a in a city that just it brings so much energy and it's obviously a very young city mm-hmm. and the state capital as well. So there's always excitement and energy in the city. And I think that's really um that, that that that's a huge factor in its growth. It's starting to to transform into more of a cultural, not more so of the art part. The art part is it's pretty artsy, but it's starting to hit different cultures, uh, similar to what Houston has. Yeah. Um that's one thing that I've noticed here. Now you have a lot more Asian restaurants, Indian restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, Mediterranean food, and Mexican, of course, because you know we're 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 everywhere. <laughs> but but it's, it's it's one of those that now the tacos the tacos here they're they're getting good. They're they're starting to get good. Yeah, I mean I mean like true Chilango tacos, right? True I Chilango mean, tacos. There you right? go. Yeah. They're getting they're getting the good stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think you see. The, I mean, there were there was a time in Austin where if a new restaurant opened up, I mean, people would be talking about it. Like, there's mm-hmm. a new restaurant in town, and then now it seems like there's there's five new restaurants opening up every week, and and all sorts of different, uh, uh, you know, culinary approaches and everything. So it's it's really cool. It's really cool to see that fusion. Uh, I I like the uh, the city, but a little more of um, you know, you, um, what is something you you know, how did you first started liking soccer or getting involved with soccer? Was it when you were younger or, you know, like when exactly? So I, I would pinpoint it as I think it was the 1986 World Cup that really was like the first step into developing a, an affinity for this sport. I was 10 years old mm-hmm. and watching watching that World Cup uh, when it was, it was broadcast on NBC and on Univision, and I remember it was it was a June, the, so the game started in like early June, and, and so summer had just started, and school's out, and so I'm watching the World Cup, and you know, and all of a sudden I just become entranced by uh, you know a little Argentine running around named Diego Maradona, <laughs> and watching those games, and and knowing that it was in Mexico City, and 
you know, I kind of was, was following Mexico because they were the host country mm -hmm. and that was exciting. Wondering where the U.S. was. I'm like, why are we not in this? Why are we not in here? Mm -hmm. um, and not realizing that, like, no, we didn't qualify because we were terrible. Back then. <laughs> um, but really, it was that 1986 World Cup. And I remember a, a great story from that, you know, watching the tournament and following Maradona and Argentina. And then all the way to the final, I missed about the first hour of the final because being the good Catholic boy that I am, I was an altar boy, mm -hmm. an altar server growing up, and I had to go to an altar boy meeting on that Sunday of the World Cup final, oh, and man. I fought my parents tooth and nail, and they said, no, you have to go. <laughs> so I missed, I didn't get to watch the game until like the last 10 minutes of the mm -hmm. of the World Cup final, but I saw the most important part, Argentina scoring a winning goal. So um, I would say that was it. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's important for people to remember that back then, the soccer just wasn't broadcast mm -hmm. on television. It just wasn't available. Like just, there was no, you couldn't just turn on your TV on a Sunday morning and watch or a Saturday morning and watch premier league or anything like that. You could watch some Mexican football mm -hmm. and then, but the world cup was really like the only time where you got to see all of the, the big European stars. And so you're always wondering, okay, who's the big Brazilian star that mm -hmm. I'm going to get to learn about in, in, in 86 or in 90 or even really in 94. Um, so that was, uh, you know, th those, anytime the World Cup came after 86, I was just so excited watching a World Cup. And, uh, and, but really, I think the next step was when I studied in Spain in 1996 as a college student and living in Madrid, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, that's, that's all you got to say right there. Like being in the, in the, in the heart of the, of the Spanish capital and, and having access to not just Real Madrid, but Atletico Madrid games, Rayo Vallecano, mm -hmm. Getafe, all the great clubs there in, in Spain. And it was also the year that uh, Ronaldo Fenomeno, the Brazilian Ronaldo, was playing mm -hmm. at Barcelona. He had that fantastic one season at Barcelona. And then that really, like, that got me into the European scene because, mm -hmm. you know, as an American still then, like you don't, you're not really you're, familiar. You're, yeah. you're just not familiar with all the different clubs and the leagues and the competitions and everything. But being over there in Spain and, oh, understanding, okay, this is La Liga and there's promotion and there's relegation. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, and watching the games with, with the Spaniards in a bar and a cafe and just, you know, talking about the games endlessly. It's, one way how I improved my Spanish certainly was just reading about football, talking about it. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think ever since then, just my interest has just been like, okay, I'm, I'm reading about it every single day or listening about it, watching it as yeah, much yeah. as I can. And, and now in the last 20 plus years, now that we have access to games so readily, that's uh, it's been, it's been wonderful because there was a long time where we just, we didn't have access to games, maybe occasional champions league, maybe an occasional Serie A or, or Premier League. But mm -hmm. uh, now it's just amazing to me the access that we have to be able to watch games from all over the world. The, uh, I remember when, well, I, I lived in California in the 90s, but there was the only game we really watched was the uh, the, gold, the, gold, the World Cup in 98. Yeah, um, great but, World Cup. But I grew, up, I grew up watching soccer. So I, I remember some of the players because I was, you know, like, okay, I know who, you know, these players are. Cotón Blanco, I was like, oh, oh man. Sure, yeah. He grew up from, you know, from being, you know, the the, the star that he was. And then um, coming to Texas in 2000, there was literally a random European game in, in uh, Telemundo in the afternoon on a Saturday. Right. You get you get Andres Cantor and uh, Norberto Luongo yeah, yeah, yeah. doing uh commentary. Uh and and it was just it was it was very different. Yeah, you would get an occasional game. Fidel Irish Pub on Fourth mm -hmm. Street 
would uh, they always had Satenta Sports, so mm-hmm. you might be able to get a Premier League game there. But sometimes you, I remember Euro two thousand, you had to pay like twenty dollars to get into a bar, yeah, to watch a Euro two thousand game, which is just I mean think about that now, just that just how it, crazy that is. That 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 um, tournament for me was very I would say it it was a it was a memory because I was in transition from coming from Mexico to the U.S. and we were watching the the Afternoon before we crossed, we were watching uh, the quarterfinal. I think it was, I would say, Netherlands versus Czech Republic. Yugoslavia. If I'm not mistaken. Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia. 6-1. And, and then we were watching it, and the hotel we were at, it was, like, really across, you know, the border. So uh-huh. that evening, we were going to be, you know, crossing over to come here. Uh-huh. So I ended up watching part of it in Mexico and the other the rest of it here in, in the in the oh, states. Wow. That's interesting. So I'm like, man, it's it's one of those that, you know, like for 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 you, you got to experience a lot of transitions in, in football. Yes. For so. watching it from the eighties to now, you've seen everything. Oh my gosh. And then just the difference in in and the game just being broadcast. And then of course the growth of the 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 leagues. I mean mm. I I'm forty seven years old. Born in 1976, so by the time I was playing soccer as a kid, the NASL had had burned out. The Pele mm-hmm. NASL, was, Los Cosmos, and yeah. All. Well, I mean that was no longer really a thing, and MLS was still light years away. Mm-hmm. And so, really, the only professional league that you could follow was indoor. So the mm-hmm. Dallas Psychics, like Tattoo, was like my like my one of my <laughs> soccer heroes. You know, Tattoo yeah. from the Dallas Psychics. Anytime he scored a goal, he'd throw his uh, his jersey into the into the stands yeah. at Reunion Arena in Dallas. So um, and the San Diego Soccer's that that was like the big rival. Always had to beat San Diego. <laughs> so that was like it was almost like this like you know wasteland of, of professional soccer in this country, and it, it, it explains why the national team struggled so mightily in, in that time. But you know the the World Cup 1994 obviously changed everything. The fact that the tournament came here, and mm-hmm. then the fact that MLS started that really was a was truly a game changer. And when everything started, you were still in Madrid. It was in the 80s, in the 90s, 1996. Yeah, 96. I was I was in Madrid. I graduated from college in uh, in 1998, and I mean would have uh, loved to have you know somehow found a way to to stay in Spain, you mm-hmm. know, or go back there and and work. Uh, but ended up eventually ended up here in Austin and was just working in high tech, so didn't mm-hmm. start immediately into into football because this was again the time dot com boom is happening here in mm-hmm. Austin and all these you know young people from all around the state of Texas are moving here to try to you know to to work for a dot com and get stock options right. and become a millionaire like yeah, in yeah. nine months or whatever. Um, so chase that dream, but it wasn't until I'd say I'd pin it at like around two thousand eight two thousand nine where I just kind of on my own started writing about soccer and uh, just writing about, you know, whether it was like into the European game or also the, the you know, U.S. national team players mm-hmm. or, or U.S. players abroad. And uh, it was it was right around that kind of that 2010, 2011 timeframe where I started making some good connections and I was able to to start doing some freelance stuff for, for ESPN. And that, that really, um, that kind of, I think, kind of propelled me forward. You wrote uh, for ESPN. You wrote an article about Giuseppe Rossi, yes. whether he was going to play for Italy or not. Yeah. And but back then you were st- you were sort of practicing, and then and that was a, a, an article that ESPN picked up and said, you know what, uh, you know, well, we're going to release it. 
Um, but before before that, and and also learning Spanish, what was something that you recall was your struggle when you first started diving into Spanish? Because Spanish, your Spanish is very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's uh, yeah, it, and it's something that I try to just to maintain as well as much as I can. Um, yeah, it was difficult. I think I was very fortunate when I arrived to Madrid that I lived with a uh, a host family, in particular a host father who really. Um, was just dead set on me speaking Spanish. I mean, he okay. was, I mean, he. I remember he, the, the second week I was there, he saw me with an International Herald Tribune, a newspaper, mm-hmm. an English-speaking newspaper in, in my room or my bag or something. And he said, he's like, no me jodas, tío. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can say that on this podcast. Oh, yeah, you can say whatever. <laughs> no me jodas, tío. You know, estás aquí para hablar español, para aprender español. I was like, not English. I mean, he just let me and he just, and he gave it to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to, all right, I got to fall in line. So I was at a Spanish university. I'm living with a Spanish host family. And, you know, that first like month and a half, two months was exhausting Mm because I'm speaking Spanish the whole day. But what really helped again was, was, was football, was talking about, you know, watching the games and talking with, you know, Spaniards in the, in the bar. Because in every, in Madrid, if anybody's ever been there, there's a bar like every, Every like 200 feet, you know, there's a bar, cafeteria or whatever that's got a game on the on the screen at night. And um, I think that was that really helped just the constant conversation and speaking to locals about about football and just speaking and practicing and practicing and practicing the language. And then, you know, after a couple of months, I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel much more comfortable speaking this language. And uh, and I think ever since then, it's you know, I've always had that confidence and like, yes, I can carry a conversation um, I have to admit it was it was kind of nerve wracking mm-hmm. when I really first started getting into soccer writing and journalism to to when I started interviewing players mm-hmm. in particular over the phone. Um, that was a little nerve wracking to to deal with that. But then after like the first couple of interviews, it's like no, I'm I'm comfortable here. I understand mm-hmm. you know what these guys are saying, with the exception of like the occasional Cuban or or Caribbean <laughs> Spanish play, like a Cuban Spanish or yeah. a Dominican Spanish that can get a little a little tough to to understand. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean that can be that can be a little difficult. But uh, on the whole, it, was, it once I once I felt comfortable with that, like okay, I I can move forward with this. And you think like say. Um for, for some players that, you know, you're trying to speak their language, they actually tend to appreciate it. Yes. You're asking them questions. I've seen it, um, you know, at the Q2, you know, or even general, when I think, I can't remember who it was, but they were actually starting to talk to, was it Uruti in Spanish? Mm-hmm. And Uruti was just, you know, like, giving them the opportunity to not, like, let it out, let it out, yeah, even yeah, if it yeah. comes out wrong. Uh, for, for, for example, like for me is I, I try to, I'm trying to be a little more, not eloquent, but a lot more, I slur a lot when I talk. (laughs) So sometimes I don't think when I say something. So my, my goal is to think before I say anything or ask a question, Mm -hmm. but in that thought I get confused because I'm like, okay, I'm trying to just get to the point and it's here, but it's like, you start rushing. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But, um, for you, you know, practicing, of course, you were, you run into bumps, but you took the chance. And I think learning a new language, doing something new, it's the first, the first, you know, step is the hardest. But I think once yes. you take the first step, it's, it's all pretty much sailing. Yeah, and it's okay to fail. It's okay to mispronounce. Um, when you're writing in Spanish, which, which I did for a while with Diario Marca, I mean, I would make 
I would make grammatical errors. Mm -hmm. I would, that would happen and I would get called out on it. I mean, you know, users on Twitter or whatever or in the comment section would kill me <laughs> like, okay, it's, it's going to happen. Um, but you just have to, you just try to learn from it and just don't be, don't be afraid. You know, I can, I can meterse, right. Mm -hmm. You just, just have to, to dive deep and, and understand that, uh, you know, most of the time somebody's going to understand if you, if you make a mistake, because how many times, you know, have you been speaking with somebody in English who's not a native English speaker and they mm -hmm. might make a grammatical mistake, but you just, you just roll with it because you you'll, like, you understand what they're saying. Yeah. And, um, going from, from switching after, after coming back, um, you were in the dot com in, in tech doing sales, I believe. Yeah. Sales. Yeah. And that's when you decided to do more writing and then you bet on yourself what is the meaning for you when you say, you know what, I have to take a chance on my own, um, like my own talent or my own work to really make this happen? Because now you were you you had a family at that time or you were yeah. single? Yeah. No, no. I mean, she was my daughter who's, who's you know off camera. She's here at the time. She was about two and a half years old. OK. Now, fortunately, I, I'm very, very fortunate and blessed in the fact that my wife um, has a, has a very good job, very stable employment. Mm -hmm. So it really allowed me to to take that chance. And yeah. I know a lot of people, maybe a, a lot of young aspiring journalists maybe don't have that luxury, but I, I did mm -hmm. fortunately, um, thankfully because of my, of my wife, Sylvia, who I love dearly. So, and, and, and she was very supportive of that. Um, and that's important. Um, I would say before that, you know, the whole thing about betting on myself and taking that trip to Spain to interview Giuseppe Rossi, I, I think one, there was one moment that really kind of, pushed me in that direction to say, okay, I think I can do this. And it was 2010. Mm -hmm. The MLS All-Stars were playing Manchester United in Houston. Okay. And, I mean, I was able to get a... That's when Chicharito was just signed. Chicharito, it was yeah. Chicharito's very first game in yeah, a Manchester United uniform. Big deal. But I remember I was able to get credentialed through just a little website I was writing for. And I remember going to the press conference, and then all of a sudden, the Manchester United press conference, and all of a sudden, like Sir Alex Ferguson walks out on stage. And... and I mean, you're starstruck because it's Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. I mean, just the legend of all legends. And he's, he's doing his press conference and people are asking him questions. And it's all like top journalists, like Grant Wall is there. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the um, Brian Strauss from is also there. Jeff Carlisle from ESPN is there. So all like the top journalists in, in American soccer are there. And uh, toward, kind of toward the end of the press conference, I raised my hand and I asked a question. I said, you know, Sir Alex... Bob Bradley is being rumored to be taking the Fulham job. You know, how do you think he would do in the uh, in the Premier League? And and Sir Alex Ferguson was just gushing praise on on Bob Bradley, mm -hmm. and it made headlines. I saw it made a lot of headlines in all the different outlets. And somebody from MLS came up to me afterwards in MLS Communications. They said, "Hey, really good question, good job." And I thought to myself, "I'm like, yeah, I, I'm I can do this. I'm mm -hmm. I'm not an imposter. I can do this." And that's when I kind of started hitting up ESPN trying to get some freelance work. And I basically just threw it out there to them. I said, Hey, I'm going to be traveling to Spain. And, uh, in May of 2011, I didn't have a trip planned. I said, I'm going to be traveling there. Uh, is there anything you guys would be interested in if I could get, and I kind of threw out a couple pitches, a couple ideas. And I threw out the Giuseppe mm -hmm. Rossi one and they said, yeah, yeah, we'll take a Rossi story. So great. And you know, for those who don't know, Giuseppe Rossi, and just, uh, I mean, a great striker who unfortunately injuries really, prevented him yeah, right. from from becoming I think you know what he what he really could have been he could have been a great striker for for Italy 
and uh, in, in and in Europe. But at the time, he was having his best season as a professional mm-hmm. um, at Villarreal in Spain. And so he was famously, he turned down the offer to play for the U.S. national team, even though he's born and raised in New Jersey. It was his father's dream for him to play for Italy. So he chose to play for Italy. He scored against the United States in the 2009 Confederations Cup. So a lot of people view him as like a traitor or a Benedict <laughs> Arnold, which is silly. The, uh, for Mexican, it's the, the Ricardo Pepe. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, but I did, I got the, the Rossi interview and uh, I ended up spending, I think, like two and a half hours just chatting with Giuseppe Rossi, looking overlooking the Mediterranean. Wow. Um, there it is in, in, in Villarreal. And, uh, and you know, wrote, wrote a story and, and it got published. And um, it just, it just, it really, that allowed me, that kind of opened my, doors to uh they opened the doors to tespn to be able to do some work for them i ended up working for them for four years as, mm-hmm. as an editor um so yeah i mean that that was a huge huge thing for me to be able to like to put that on my resume and and to say hey i've done this and 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 it led to more projects yeah, that's the the man spending two two and a half hours with Giuseppe Rossi yeah. and, uh, and i turned and the i turned the tape recorder off after 30 minutes i just said okay we're done we're like done, the yeah. interview portion is done but he just I guess he was enjoying the conversation, and so yeah. I wasn't about to chase him away. And um, I mean, we talked about you know we talked about American football. You know, he's a big Giants fan. Yeah. You know, I'm a big Cowboys fan, and you know, just you know, all these different things and you know, about his life and just sharing stories. And um, like, what a wonderful guy! Like, why? Mm-hmm. It's a shame. Like, uh, so many American fans they get on social media and they like they lob hate toward him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, but it was it was very revealing. It was like I really love doing this. I love talking to these athletes, getting inside their heads, asking them questions, getting to know them, understanding what what motivates them, what are their ambitions, mm-hmm. what are their ambitions after their careers are over. And um, so, yeah, that that was that. After that, it was like this is really what I want to do with my life. So, it, how can I um, going going a little more to to you know? I want to switch it up a bit. The so players, uh, some players like to talk in the mic. Some players, you know, one or two questions, and that's yes, it. But yes. they go away. Yeah. But then somehow Giuseppe felt as you know what, man, I can trust this guy. You know, just a conversation. You know, after that everything was over, and I think your goal was you know to get the information you needed. But at the end of the day, you were doing your job. You know, it's great. But opening up, there's there's some some um, I don't know I, I'm just starting to dive in this this new world of you know you know like say interviewing players interacting with players you know how can like say can the media even be friends of the players not even friends but at least having a time like you did with Giuseppe Rossi you know without having to to ask a question of to the club mm-hmm. so a lot of it is it's it's you figured it out for yourself and it was. It was a success because if we were gone the other way where he would have just been pretty straight to the point, 30 minutes, actually 20 minutes because I have to go somewhere. Yes. And then that's it. And that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that's okay. That's okay yeah. when you, know, you can sometimes tell when somebody is, is there to, when you're interviewing somebody and they don't want to be there or they just want to, they want to hustle it up and, and be done with it. Um, you know, post game when you're in a, the locker room or in a scrum and it's just, you know, it's just like one little one, two quick hitter questions. I mean, mm-hmm. that it almost kind of depends on the setting. One of the best interviews I can recall having that I really enjoyed was 2019 Gold Cup. I was traveling with with CONCACAF. I was traveling with Mexico, and I got to interview Memo Ochoa mm-hmm. and at a you know at Mexico's hotel in Charlotte. And it was a setting in which 
it was a, it was in a private room and it was just, it was just memo and I, and, you know, sitting down, he had never spoken to me, I think mm-hmm. maybe once, but like in a mix zone setting. So mm-hmm. never, I'd never had a chance to speak one-on-one with him. And it was, um, you know, but we had a chance to kind of sit and talk and, you know, I kind of, you know, dug into, to, you know, why, 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 why was he here with this national team? Why was it important for him to be with Mexico? Mm-hmm. His daughter had just been born. So we talked about that. And so when the players kind of start divulging those things and then they, you know, the comfort level increases and you can kind of see them start to lower their guard a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when you've done that, it's, it's a wonderful feeling when you can really get inside um, what the, the player is thinking and feeling. And those are the interviews that you just, you really remember and you cherish. Man, that's that's pretty good because I know Memo Choa. He's a little bit of a you know reserved person. He is, yeah. And especially he only, I mean, for his personal, for his friends, I'm pretty sure he's pretty outgoing. But he keeps uh, a wall whenever yeah. it comes to the fans and media. And it's nice now. Every time, and I've seen him since then. I've had yeah. a chance to interview him, like at a at uh, the 2021 Concacaf Champions League final, Monterey Club America, when he was goalkeeper for Club America. I saw him, like Memo. I'm like I don't sure you know if you remember me and. Uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And then, and that's actually happened a couple of times since then. And, and it's, and it's great. It's like, okay, there was definitely a, a personal connection made there. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you can do that, it's, it's a really nice feeling. And even at the Champions League final in LA, just a few weeks ago, Carlos Vela walks up and I mean, the guy's been through a car wash. He's been doing interviews like all morning mm-hmm. long and he's tired and I'm on his last stop. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, before we even get going, I just I just try to make a little bit of small talk just to make it a little bit more personal and better. And I mentioned, hey, I live in Austin where Cristobella, your your nephew, plays for Austin FC, too. Yeah. And then, you know, it, little things like that, when you can do that, um, it shows that you've done a little bit of your homework. And then also right. uh, it just uh, there's it just it just breeds a little bit more familiarity. That, that's that's good, um, because. At the end of the day, you know, your job to communicate, you know, as a communicator is to to let the audience know what the players, you know, give us some information, a little more, I would say, intimate, you know, when it's a one-on-one setting. So when the people get to see this this um, inter- one-on-one interviews, a lot of them actually sort of understand why certain players go a certain way. Yes. Uh, for example, for me, one, one I would say, uh, a turning point in how I wanted to, to approach a player or to ask is with Rodney at the um, the game after the the game against New Mexico. Rodney Reddit, yes. Yeah, when he's, he's finally scores, goal. yes. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. asked him like, "Hey, uh, how do you feel? Your first goal, you know, what is something that you've done different compared to the the past?" Mm-hmm. And he talked about him always working hard, and mm-hmm. and then the second question was like, "Hey, you know, next goal just to be a little more loose, like, you know, was your your dance celebration?" And he said. Well, I don't think of a celebration right now because my grandma passed away three days ago. So I think I just think of her at this moment. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was just went like, okay, I know the team is not doing the best right now. And and we can be asking all these hard questions. But sometimes it's like, you know, get to understand why the players are going through, you know, what they're going through. Because at the end of the day, they're humans. And, exactly. And part of, you know, why what I've been trying to do here is sort of, not do hot takes, like still, you know, express how I feel about, you know, mm-hmm. wolf or whatnot, but but stay within, you know what, okay, I want to give some information, about how, and also, you know, my personal feeling about mm-hmm. things, opinions, but there's a line with respect. Yeah, and, no. And, and not shitting on someone, basically. No, and I think that's totally fair. I mean, you can criticize the the, the tactics that, that Josh 
puts forth in a game. And, you know, I understand that, but, you know, I can also tell you, Josh is, I mean, he's a really good guy. Right. I mean, I remember watching him play in college. Uh, he was, he played at South Carolina. I went to Furman and I, I remember when South Carolina came to Furman to play and watching him and, and then watching him with the national team and, um, you know, just how important his family is to him, his sons. Um, so yeah, like little things like that. And, and, when you start to form those relationships and, and there are all sorts of different guys all around the league who, you know, you, some, some players you'll just get to know more than others. You just, you just strike up a rapport just naturally with them. The mm-hmm. goalkeeper in Houston, Steve Clark is, is, has been a long, I mean, I've known him, God, like coming up on what, 13, 13, 14 years. He's now. a veteran, right? He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's been around a long, yeah. he started his career in Norway. You talk about betting on yourself. Like the kid showed up in Norway with like, like no trial, no nothing, and he ended up he ended up being able to play for yeah. a first division team over there. And I remember at the time writing in the story, writing stories about him and interviewing him, and and we've always stayed in touch. And so you know, I always wish him success. And and when you see when you see when you have those relationships and and the way they they manifest and grow uh, throughout the years, and and how these guys have you know really made great successes out of their careers, it, it's really great. And yes, they are, they're human beings and. And whenever they decide to step away from the game, you know, who knows what they do. They maybe they go into coaching, maybe they go into punditry or, mm-hmm. you know, they're on TV or Sirius XM, or maybe they just step away from the game altogether. But uh, you, you remember those moments and, and it's uh, those relationships are, are, are great to have. What is um, your sort of, not sort of, but you're, you're living, a, you're not living, but you're working on a dream job. You know, yeah. the moment. Yeah. Uh, you're getting, you know, of course, it comes with responsibilities. And I, yeah. I believe and there, and there are times where it's very tiring. <laughs> yeah, when, I, I would when imagine. It's, <laughs> when it's 1030 at night and I'm watching a, a CONCACAF league game between a team in Guatemala and a team from Nicaragua, it can, it can get like, okay, I just really want to go to bed, but I have to stay up another 30 minutes yeah. for the second half. Uh, what, uh, what do you, what do you, uh, how do you stay up? What is, what's your, your go-to drink? Is it, uh, you, you, by then, by then you're, you know what? I, I think it's going to be still Austin or, whiskey. Uh, there we go. Uh, like, like here and, uh, you know, moving forward. <laughs> uh, no, I just, I mean, I just try to, to, to stay up with, with water or whatever. Just try to keep myself awake. Cause <laughs> sometimes it can be hard. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it's it's there's there's a, there's there are a lot of games that I that I get to watch. You're like, man, I'm tired, but there you are, have to watch it. <laughs> there are times where I'm just really tired. Like, do I really have to report on this? And but then there are times like last Thursday's mm-hmm. Concacaf Nas- Nations League semifinal between the USA and Mexico. I'm right there in Vegas, midfield press box, and it's like this is fantastic, right? And so so you know, putting yourself and getting into you know to that place, it's still. Well, what is something I would say that it's it's I mean besides watching the game and reporting it, what is what is a uh, sort of a, a challenge like for you even till now? Um, how, even though you're still I would say living it up, not living it up, but like working it up and and you know putting in the work and in you know in the press conferences, in the field, making sure everyone is you know good when it comes to the communication. What is something you're, is still like for you a challenge? Yeah, I think it's still. Just dealing sometimes with the logistics behind a, a team or, or a player like you when you like after a game when you really want to be able to talk to a certain player. Uh, like, for example, this past Sunday after the third place game, I was really keen. I wanted to talk to Memo Ochoa because mm-hmm. I'm like, he's a veteran of this Mexico team. This was not a good tournament for Mexico. Um, bad loss to the U.S. They beat Panama, but, you know, the fans didn't come out. And I wanted to ask him a little bit about that. And and, uh, you know, the I get told like, yeah, yeah, Memo will be out. Don't worry. And. You know, this is like through CONCACAF, so I have a little bit more of, a, of an inside track mm-hmm. to be able to, to interview players rather than just a, a regular media member. And then, 
And then I ask him, like, and, and, y memo? Y memo? He's like, yo, ya, ya se fue. I'm like, oh, like, come on. And so those frustrations, yeah. I mean, it just happens. But then, you know, they said, well, you know, you can talk to Orbeline Pineda. Great. I'll talk to Orbeline. Nice pues, guy. Yeah. Pues ni modo, yeah. Let's talk so, about your, your, go, your, your dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, those those are the sometimes the, the the frustrations that can happen when you're expecting something to happen or you know the team is that kind of keeps you lingering or you know you just you, you just sometimes have to just deal with or just being stood up all together mm-hmm. you just have to deal with that sometimes and not, not take it personal and not take it personal yeah. at all just like it happens to everybody i mean i remember you know, i mentioned him earlier grant wall there's there's this great story when he he interviewed ronaldinho in barcelona in 2006 at ronaldinho's like heyday mm-hmm. and ronaldinho was eight hours late to the interview <laughs> <laughs> so what, what did grant wall do as he was waiting he went to get lunch uh, I mean, breakfast, who knows? dinner i mean i'm sure it was, workout. I'm sure it was incredibly <laughs> frustrating for him but but he got in i'm pretty sure that yeah, that helped his career yeah, over yeah. time absolutely absolutely uh, yeah that's uh there's one that i have um we, I, you know, the, the, I would say the, the, the biggest name here, it's been, I mean, ne- ne- next to, to Archie, it's, uh, Carlos Vallarta, a, uh, comedian from Mexico. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, um, I go, the plan was to record, um, I think it was like the 20th or, or 19th of, of April, third, like third Friday of April, they were here for, a, for a festival. Okay. And I, you know, I got, I was in contact with his people and like, okay, fine. I'll go pick you up mm. and then bring you over here. We'll do the interview on a Friday and then give me an hour and I'll drop you back off. And I'll go take you to eat dinner if you want. And then, yeah, it was great. So then I went to his show on Thursday, said hi to him and, Hey man, looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, see you tomorrow. He's like, Richie, you know, same here, you know, sorry, we have to move it up a little later. No, no, that's fine. I get there on, uh-huh. on Friday. I'm waiting for him uh-huh. and he's done. Cause he did like a, a ten minute set, but he's done, and, and then he's nowhere to be found. Oh, so yeah. I message his people, I'm like, "Hey, uh, where's where's Carlos?" And they're like, um, "He had a food poisoning." And I was like, "Oh." Uh, uh, so I'm like, "Okay, okay." I'm trying, I'm trying to give him the benefit of a doubt. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, "His." Uh, I was talking to his um, one of the persons that handles his his communications, mm-hmm. and then his rep called me right afterwards. She's like, "Yeah, hey, Richie, I am so sorry." Um, Carlos had food, po- food poisoning. He's not feeling well. Um, can we move? Can we move it to another day? And I was like, for me, it's like, man, this is Friday night. He's going back on on Sunday, so I have one more chance. And I was like, okay, how can I respond to this? So I took a deep breath. I'm like, okay, yes, let's, let's get a beer. And then how about tomorrow? Can we do it tomorrow? And I had a shoot scheduled, a photo shoot scheduled uh, out of town, and in, in, in that morning, so I had to like man. make it work. I have to be in Shriner, Texas, and then come back. Oh, my so, gosh, yeah. It's I'm not like, you know like that's, like, right around the block. Yeah, I mean, it's that's, like, like, two hours Two away. hours. So, you know, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know what? Let's, uh, here's, here's my, my, you know, my, my, my last chance. How about if we move it to tomorrow night? And she's like, okay, I just got lost, and, he's, and he, uh, he said yes. Like, okay, perfect. Okay. So, I'm over here just, like, you know what? If he doesn't come, it's not on me. It, you know, mm-hmm. it is what it is. You, you've done everything I've possible. I've done everything possible. Yes. So, I came in, set up everything, went down there, picked him up, and then he's walking out of the hotel and i'm like oh okay cool he, when he's in the car he's like okay great we're good he's here so we we got to do the the, you you know, the episode so that was good um but then there's another funny part about it uh-huh. i was talking to the owner of uh, i was gonna take him to eat carnitas uh-huh. and afterwards like hey you're still hungry he's like no nah, can we go get some jack box jack in the box like, yeah that's fine <laughs> so we're going to get jack in the box and i'm like you're this one dude that has three netflix specials and you want to get jack in the box sure 
So then we go eat Japanese, Jack in the Box, and he gets back to the hotel. He's like, man, thank you, Rich. I appreciate it. It was great. It was awesome. Nice. And coming back a week after, um, the owner of Carinda Cerruero, which is down the block, mm-hmm. he messaged me. He's like, hey, you know Carlos? I'm like, nah, I don't know him. But uh, he was on my podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, uh, I also had him at, at the, he was eating carnitas on Thursday night. No. With us. So I'm like, okay, he did have food poisoning. He was a man at his word. Oh, He's like, yeah, wow. he he ate 12 of the, the the surtidas. And then I was like, okay. And I tell him, well, it's funny because you're the one that got him sick because he was supposed <laughs> to record with me. But now he didn't. So it, it was just funny. I, funny. I took it as like, okay, it's an anecdote. It's, it's part of the of all Of all the places, too. Yeah. You ended up eating, like, where are you going to take Yeah, it? so it was great. Uh, I was I was pretty, I was happy after that. And I, and I was telling my wife, and I'm like, well, now I know why Carlos didn't not come. He actually did get sick. Uh, El Guero took him to his taqueria, and he got he went he went downtown basically. <laughs> so, but it was pretty good. That's it's just, good. It's one of those that that uh, I think as you, you, I'm pretty sure it won't be the the first one or the last one. It's gonna go through through you know more of those. Yeah, but it helps you prepare. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really and you learn to be you learn to be flexible. Like okay, and like all, and sometimes like the. The interviews that that are that you would think like okay this is going to be like super easy and then they end up being just like incredibly complicated and you have to reschedule like three or four times like why is this like so hard and then <laughs> I mean I, I I got to interview Fernando Torres when he was at Chelsea mm-hmm. and like that was like as professional as it gets you know I walked into Chelsea and like Fernando will see you right now I'm like okay and then <laughs> I just walked in and that was it so and um so whenever you know like say for for what is something you would you know, an advice you would give to someone that's just starting, um, that is just diving into to communications without having uh, going to school, you know, as for journalism or, or, you know, for writing. What is something you would ad- advise to to people like us, basically? I think I would the the number one piece of, of advice that I give to to people who you know, aspire to to get into this um, industry is is to create content every day. Okay. Whether you are writing or recording like a, a live podcast or, or a YouTube show or or whatever, um, I think if as long as you're creating content every single day, you get into the rhythm of doing that. And I mean, I can tell you for certain that's. I mean, my life is pretty much. I'm writing something at least at least every day, right? At least mm-hmm. one thing, one article every day, it seems like. Sometimes on the weekends, I don't have to, which is nice. This summer, I'm going to be writing a lot <laughs> every day. Um, but I, that, so that's my number one advice, because if you do that, then, uh, you know, you're getting your ideas out there. You're kind of honing your craft, yeah. you know, whether it's writing or podcasting or, you know, radio, what have you. And, uh, and, and then just getting it out there and, and and then start you know networking as well um and you know i think it's really important to you know, myself as you know somebody who's now a little bit older and and uh you know more advanced in this industry uh age-wise uh i think it's really important to to help the the younger generation and to and to pay it forward and so mm-hmm. like this past weekend in vegas you know meeting a couple of younger journalists and they come up and introduce themselves or they say hi or i meet them and and it's like, yeah, you know, I'll follow you, or if I ever need somebody, you know, for Concacaf, uh, I'll let you know. Like, mm-hmm. if I need a writer, or, or so I, I think that's, you know, I, I think uh, I think that's a really important thing for us to to do all for for each other and to help each other in this industry because it, it is it's tough, 
um, to do it full time is is really difficult. And uh, the you know the more we can all be there to support each other, I think is the better. That's the the one thing that I I've been getting a lot from the media in Austin. Um, everyone seems to help each other out one way yeah. or another. Yeah. Of course, it's some some of, like it's different the way. You know, one person does something and the other person does. Yeah, something. I mean, so like Bob Ballou, right down the street here mm -hmm. at CBS, like he's, you know, he's he's doing like a little bit on you know the the ten thirty ten o'clock news, a little mm -hmm. sports bit, you know, showing like a fifteen second clip of Josh Wolf from today's training, like a, a, a and then maybe another fifteen thirty seconds about how Austin FC is doing, mm -hmm. uh, to like Jorge Durade, who's who's going to have like his YouTube shows and Club Deportes and everything and. To maybe uh, Colby Gordon at the, the Austin American States. The, the, the Moleto the Moleto show. The Moleto <laughs> show. The, we'll do the Moleto show. Um, so all yes, there are all sorts of different facets to it, but um, I, I think it is you know it is important to um, to help uh, to help each other out on, on that front and to and to you know to just you know for example if like you can't be there for something and like hey if you if there's a question you really want to ask you know let me know and I'll ask it for you. Yeah, because I remember. Um, I grew up when I was, you know, the battle was in Mexico, Televisa, Tebasteca. Mm, Those mm -hmm. two were, you know, going at it mm -hmm. every time. And you grew up in that environment. It's a different thinking, level. It's, it's a different level it's down there. It's going to be different. Like, it you is. Know? And then here it's, I don't know how it is in other, other cities, but everybody seems to, you know, get along here. Um, and that's something that I, I appreciate because I feel as if we didn't really have you know, we go to the press conference. They're chatting it up about random things, not even about the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's good because you're still doing your job, but you know, you're at the end of the day, you're a human being that's just getting their job done, mm -hmm. and and that's it. And that's that's important because you never know who you're gonna work with or have next exactly. to you. Exactly. That that I, that's what I was told myself too. Is you know, whenever I invite someone, whether they have the biggest following or you know, hundred people, like, hey, come over and we can we can chop it up. But I'm always with the, you know, I don't know where this person's gonna get, but my goal is to put their story out there so everybody can hear it. So one day I can and like, that, hey, he was here first. <laughs> and what you say about Mexico, I mean, that is, you know, having been with Mexico the previous two Gold Cups for the for the duration of the tournament, and I mean, just this past week in Vegas after that U.S. game, and you I mean you see the knives come out, and it's hard. Mm. It is, I mean, they really. It it is a different type. It's much more. I don't want to. I don't want to use the word cutthroat, but it's it's strong. It's yeah. really strong. They will really come after their coach, and um, you know, for some people, they say, "Yeah, that's better." You know, it kind of it kind of you know st uh, it, it it's uh, you know kind of steals a, a coach and and makes them you know makes them want to you know uh, coach harder or whatever. It's better for the culture. I mean, I don't know, but I think. Um, I think it is tough, you know, that especially that job as Mexican national team head coach. I mean, seeing what Diego Coca has been through the last couple of days. I mean, that's that's really hard to deal with. But mm -hmm. the media understanding the passion that that people in Mexico have for the sport. I mean, you can understand it. I mean, I know how important the national team is down there mm -hmm. from Mexico. El Tricolor. I mean, I know it's it's everything for so many people. And you just see you see it when they come to the U.S. and like they're. You know, ninety thousand or ninety percent of the people in, in the Vegas crowd last Thursday are cheering for Mexico, mm -hmm. and they're cheering loud. And Pulisic is on the big screen getting introduced, and he's getting booed. And I mean, it is it is a big time thing. And um, and when you when you see that, it's like wow, that's that's part of it is like wow, that's really amazing, and just that's awesome that there's so much interest for the game there. But then you could also see how how 
damaging and, and uh, off-putting that could be. I mean, Tata Martino looked exhausted by the time He's, he got he stepped down his He had a lot coach. of gray hairs. Yeah. He, he looked like, man, he aged in whatever he would age in 10, he aged yeah. in three years. And, you know, Juan Carlos Osorio, you know, same way. Just, I mean, it, it's it's it, it's really taxing to be the head coach of the Mexican national team and because the media is, I mean, the media is, you know, Football Picante or, you know, the Fox Deportes guys. Uh, you know, Azteca, I mean, it, it is all like, it's, it's, it's super intense, um, which is going to make this gold cup very, very interesting. <laughs> One thing that, um, I was, I was, I like, I like just, you know, from people that grew up looking at in media, I, I always like to go to interviews about them and their lives. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing that I get is like, somehow Jose Ramon Fernandez helped a lot of people out. Some, some yeah. like my backstab them, but uh, the reason why I'm saying it is, um, David Fighterson, that's his, his right hand man. Yeah. And David Fighterson had this interview with with several, you know, now like I would say like YouTubers, and one of them, um, he does a lot of uh, movie reviews, or he gets a lot of hey, whenever a movie's about to release in Mexico, he's the one that he puts everything together. Yeah. I know you heard of Escorpion, Escorpion Dorado. No. Uh, Alex Montiel, he's 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 done pretty good uh, over time, mm -hmm. and he was saying he does this sort of you know interview in the carpool karaoke type of okay, and he had David Falterson, so they traveled to where he lives, uh -huh. and uh, Montiel, uh, Alex Montiel traveled to where uh, Falterson lives, and he was saying uh, David Falterson called him the day before the interview, like hey, don't make any plans before. You know, we go to the interview. I want to have you guys come, and I want you and your my you your crew and my family to have a meal and talk about you know just personal random yeah. stuff that you know that help us get to know each other. And then uh, David Falterson was just saying that he got this from he got that specific part from Jose Ramon Fernandez. Jose Ramon, yeah. You know this. You know he was just like that towards him. He gave him the opportunity, like, hey, you know how to write? Like, yeah, I write uh, baseball. Okay. Uh, now you're going to write, you know, whatever in, in soccer. And then Andre Marin, the other one that would write about international soccer, mm -hmm. even though he wouldn't, he didn't have all of the media, you know, not, uh, not, not the media, the resources to look at the teams. You have to go read the, the newspapers from every league or whatnot. So a lot of it is, you know, it, it's, it's great for me when I hear stories like that from the people up there. Yeah. Vital sin is interesting when, when I was working at ESPN FC as, a, as an editor and we were doing some uh, translation from ESPN Deportes to, to publish on ESPN FC mm -hmm. in English. And I was, uh, I kind of headed that up. And uh, one of the guys at ESPN Deportes was like, Hey, get in touch with Feidelson. Mm -hmm. And you know, like if you're going to translate his work, you know, get in touch with him, let him know. And so I reached out to him and I introduced myself and, He's like, okay, great, yeah. Here's my tw here's my Twitter account and password. He's like, if you want to put it on my Twitter account, wow. I'm like, wait a minute, I've got <laughs> David Fidelson's like Twitter <laughs> handle and password at my disposal. And so, if you there was a time there, and if you saw anything tweeted from David Fidelson in, in English, it, it was it was me. <laughs> and so the fact I would just like I would just chuckle. I'm like, this guy has like two million followers. He's He's either one of the most, you know, beloved or hated men yeah. in, in Mexican, you know, football media or sports media. And uh, and like, and I've got his Twitter password. 
he's a character. Yes, he is. Um, he's also right now in a, in a in a feud with with the Always owner in a of the Azteca. Always in a feud. And it was three in the morning, and they were going at it in Twitter. Oh my god! I was like, oh my god! So oh, they they call him El Tio Richie, and oh, every, every time you know one one post something, they put memes. But it was just. Yeah. Sometimes like, hey, man, I gotta get sleep, but these guys are just and, not letting me. And may, maybe it's just because you know I'm the when when I'm around the Mexican media, and I'm kind of like the one of the very few gringos who's who's around. But they've they've all been like super nice That's to me, good. like the Rodolfo Landeros from Fox Deportes or Hiran uh, from Two the mm. You know, all of those guys, uh, the Espan Deportes guys, they they've all been very fair, very nice to me. Um, you know, good to to just visit with or to chat with. Um, um, you know, before or after games or even like during games. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's an intriguing, it's an intriguing one for just for me, kind of on the outside looking in to see how that all functions. They're like, from, from what I've seen, I mean, I've seen some in person and I say I do them and they're great people, but I'm pretty yes. sure like, and they got, they got, they have a job and, yeah, yeah, you know, they got to do their so. job yes. and, you know, yes, their yes, job is to be a little more tough sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they'll, and then that's, that's exactly what, uh, that's exactly what they'll do and they do it. Um, one, one more question and, and, um, whenever say, for example, you're working communications and someone gets out of hand, they don't, you know, listen, or they don't pay attention to the instructions of what you guys put out there. What is something that you tell them? Like, Hey man, like basically that don't, don't fuck it up type of thing. Sorry. Sorry if I cussed. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. So you mean something along the lines of like, if, uh, some false information gets yeah, put yeah. out or, or somebody kind of twists some information and that, that happens sometimes with, with CONCACAF, like, you know, I'll be, and I'm in my capacity, I'm not considered a full-time employee of CONCACAF. I'm a contract employee with CONCACAF. So I'm not considered an official spokesperson or anything, but I get asked, I mean, I'll be, for example, Thursday night, I was at the game and, and um, a couple of journalists came up to me, Mexican journalists. And they say, well, was the game abandoned because of the, the Cantico homophobico or, or was it, did the, just, did the ref stop it early? You know, what's the, what's the deal there? And so, you know, you just, you just have to be abundantly clear when you communicate something, mm -hmm. especially in that type of like situation where, you know, you know, if you say something wrong, if you make the slightest misstep, it could be, um, it could be badly misinterpreted and then somebody gets in trouble. Um, so it's, uh, you know, you just have to, I almost kind of think like, when, when you have those types of communication situations, it's almost like the later, the better, just, you know, better to be right than mm -hmm. be first. And, uh, unfortunately that's just something that you do see sometimes across the board. Just somebody wants to report the news first rather than, you know, confirming it through two or three sources, which they should do. And, mm -hmm. or somebody takes a notice from CONCACAF or a rumor and reports it as official. And it's like, no, that's not what happened here in this, in this case. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, in particular Thursday night, it was, I think people started reporting like, oh, the referee abandoned, you know, the match is considered abandoned. It's not a, an official three zero win for the U S it's a, it's an abandoned match. Like, no, no, no. The referee just stopped the match early. Should he have stopped it earlier? That's a different question. Um, but I think it's, it's, you just have to be, um, crystal clear. And when something is official, you know, make sure it is official and that it is correct and right. And that it is confirmed. And, and I've learned my lessons over the years, you know, maybe mm -hmm. I've reported something a little bit too early or too soon, and then it ends up blowing up in my face. And that's a horrible feeling. Um, especially, especially when it's, uh, you know, when it, it, it adversely affects somebody. So, 
Um, I would just say in terms of, of communication, either way, if you're like breaking news mm -hmm. or if you're trying to get some news out on, on behalf of like an organization or anything like that, you just, you have to be very, very mindful. And sometimes it's okay to, to be, uh, you don't have to be in a hurry. The reason why I'm asking that is because now, you know, you look at the Twitter, Austin FC community, everyone involved, <laughs> everyone is. It's uh, very active right now. It's super active. <laughs> and it's it's active year round. Uh, it is. Uh, which is good. Which is great. You, you have young guys that like, uh, that are really just trying to, to be someone, trying to do, you know, have their work be heard. And hopefully potentially one day they, they would have, you know. The reason why this player was a success is because they found them or, or, or you know, <laughs> or this they, they mentioned uh, something that would help the coach win a game or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's a it's it's an important thing, like you said, sometimes. And I, I, and I at first I, I thought about, you know what, how can I approach this thing? I'm a, you know, I'm doing podcasting. I want to know more about the people, the person, the after the fact. And I was like, yeah, let's not really go into the exclusives anymore. Like, I, I did one. I was like, say, oh, Austin FC, because uh, I, I heard it on, on the game, Barcelona. Sorry. Um, Barcelona is going to come, might come to to uh, to Austin in the summer. Because uh -huh. I heard it from Austin FC, from a guy that works, you know, at, at uh, that's pretty close to Austin, the Barcelona team. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And they ended up not coming. So I'm like, yeah, not going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those are the things you just, you have to, you have to, you just have to be really certain about. Um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned Austin FC Twitter. I think, listen, I think it's great that there is so much activity and that there is so much passion. I will never, you know, I will never dissuade the fans, you know, the way they feel and some of those reactions, like the, we are Austin TV guys, you know, they do those, those fresh post game reactions of fans and, And I think that's good. You'd rather have that than apathy. And a mm. lot of teams mm. around MLS, I mean, there is just apathy across the board. I mean, I mean, I mean, look what maybe fans feel in like San Jose or Colorado or or what have you. I mean, I know, you know, media in Houston would probably love to see the kind of enthusiasm for their team, the Dynamo, that that people in Austin have for their team. I will say this though, there is the Houston fans seem to be coming back a little bit more this season, which is nice. But um, we we awaken the monster. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's uh, I I you know to see that much enthusiasm and passion and just you know people you know debating whether you know Josh Wolf is the right coach or not. You know, listen, that's great. That's great. This is this is the team you support. You spend like the people who go to games spend a lot of money. Mm to go to games right, right. that is not a cheap night out and especially if you're taking your family you're taking your wife you're taking like kids or two kids or a cousin or a nephew i mean mm -hmm. it adds up and i mean if you get food i mean you might be shelling out a couple hundred bucks to go see an austin fc game and you know it's that's a lot of money and so you want to you want to be fulfilled you want to see your team win and and i understand that and um so i will never dissuade you know somebody the feeling for the way they feel about the the coach and You know, yeah, you know, if you want to support the players, that's great. But if you're if you're pissed off and and uh, with the way the team is playing and and you you want to boo at the stadium because you don't like the performance, then then that is totally you're right. That's a good thing. See, coming from Archie, oh man, that is wise. Keep going, guys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, just you know, like like we said earlier, don't get don't get personal. Like yeah. you know, you know, Rodney, you know, it's making you know, a personal insults about Rodney or Josh or anything like that. That's, that's over the line. But, mm. um, you know, the, 
demanding to for for good performances. That's that's football. That's what you see across the board. And and you know, frankly, in MLS, since we don't have, uh, you know, there's, you know, no promotion and relegation, and you know, there's no those the, there's no penalties for performing mm-hmm. poorly. Um, I mean, I know some people, you know, front office might lose your job, players might lose their job. I know there are, uh, you know, adverse things that happen mm-hmm. to to teams when they finish in last place. They don't make the playoffs. They don't get that revenue. But it's certainly nothing like going from Premier League to the Championship and the loss in revenue there, or going from you know La Liga to the Segunda División. Yeah. I mean, that's a different matter altogether. That is like real stuff right there. I mean, God forbid. Remember when River Plate, who I love, River Plate went to La Bay in Argentina. <laughs> oh I man, mean, that, that, I mean, that was, was a hit. That was that was just that was like that was cataclysmic. Mm-hmm. So um, so I definitely I welcome the. The, the passion, the enthusiasm that Austin FC fans have for their team and, you know, discussing the team on Twitter or whatever, if it's their, you know, Slack channel, whatever it is, I think it's, um, I think it's great. And I think it's, it's fantastic that people are, are getting into the sport and they're, they're learning more about MLS. They're learning more about football in, in this region. There's so many different layers. There's a lot of history Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I, the more, the more, the better, because it only stands to get better as we get closer and closer to 2026. That's the one thing that I, I really want to, you know, as we grow and, you know, hopefully the U.S. gets to, you know, to bring, bring more and more people in. Because looking at on Sunday, the, you know, how much people was there to watch the U.S. final versus Canada. It yeah. was nothing compared to what Mexico would do. Exactly. And, you know, I think the, that has long been a quandary for U.S. soccer and, and being able to to fill up stadiums and to, to sell out games. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Mexico, if Mexico had been in the final, that place would have been full. I right. Mean, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's just that's kind of the, the, the nature of, of the sport. I mean, CONCACAF Nations League is a new tournament. I think a lot of people are like, now what is this? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people in the Vegas, Vegas area, you know, more casual soccer fans. Right. If they if it had been like a a gold cup, I mean, not a gold cup, like a, I mean, if, there were, if it had been the World Cup, yeah, they all probably would have been there. Yeah. But it would have been tons of people there. But not understanding the casual soccer fan in this country is not going to be able to maybe completely decipher the difference between gold cup and CONCACAF nations league. I mean, my poor wife, my wife is Argentine and like she, at one point she looked at me this week, like now where are you going? I'm like, this is gold (laughs) cup. And then what are you doing when you get back here? Leagues cup. What's the difference? Like she, I mean, she, she, she can't process it it all. And I, and I, you know, I'm like, listen, don't worry about it. Um, So, um, but yeah, it, it is frustrating when, you know, to see the U.S. national team not be able to to fill a stadium like that, especially for a, a final. But I, I think it is also important to remember that, you know, soccer in this country is more than just the U.S. national team mm-hmm. fans. I mean, there's – and just like how I look at Austin FC, like, you know, when I see players from Austin FC get called to other national teams, I think that's, that's an important thing too. Mm-hmm. This is a country where so many – we were talking earlier about Houston and Austin and the di- people from different backgrounds – you know, this is a this is a soccer crazy country, because I was there in Las Vegas last Thursday night, and sixty thousand people were just rocking that building. Mm-hmm. It's a soccer country. It's just right. m- maybe not U.S. national team. It's it's maybe it's Mexico it's, or you go to south. You know, you go to Chicago and Poland would probably sell out Soldier Field if they mm-hmm. came and played a World Cup game. You know, it, it kind of you know or or Portugal in the Boston area. 
wherever you have those strong immigrant ties, Washington, D.C., El Salvador. I mean, they, they, they pack it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston with Honduras. So um, I think there are, this is a, a football-loving country. Um, it's just maybe not through the traditional uh, line of thinking that we see it that way, but it is different. It's just, it's just people from all different backgrounds. Uh, would it be great if the U S national team as national team had more backing? Yes. But um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's up to us soccer to, to try to promote that. It's up to these players to, to show it on the field mm-hmm. and um, you know, and for the promoters to, to promote that. And, and you know, a CONCACAF nations league final, is that going to, really get the juices flowing for, for people to show up? I don't know. But maybe the Gold Cup final does. And, right. and so if I stadium in Los Angeles and if the U.S. are in it, who knows? Yeah, that, that's it, – it's a lot, you know, that will come. And a lot of it is in limbo. But like you said, it, it's just the beauty of sport. It's it's lived and – Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a reason why it. all these European clubs come here every summer. Right. Because people want to see them. Right, right. So, yeah, well, that's that's part of – you know, that's part of soccer, too. Soccer in the United States is not just the United States national team and MLS. There's so much else. You know, USL Championship, they get really good crowds for their games. And then you got the European clubs mm-hmm. who come over. And then, of course, the Mexican national team and all the Mexican league friendlies that come. And, and you know, in, in our history, suggests as much. You know, soccer did not start in 1994 or 1996 in this country. It started way, way, way long ago. Yeah. So uh, let's also recognize that that's, that's part of, of what this game is in this country. I think that's that's the key is learning, you know, every everyone involved in the in the game and not just the national team and the MLS. Yeah, exactly. Um, because when when you want to include everyone as much as possible, you're gonna be, your chance for success is gonna be higher. Also, sure. you can have a risk. I'm pretty sure, but the amount of people you're gonna be pulling it, you know, from all over the place. Um, luckily, we do see uh, players from different backgrounds in the MLS. Yeah, which is great. Um, now well, it really is a diverse league. I mean, you got guys from all over. Now that's something over. that I give, I give, I give the league. You somehow you are trying to do everything to bring in as many people from you know Gambia, Zambia. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean Asia, like Asia. I, I mean you got like guys. There are players from South Korea, uh, New Zealand. I mean, yeah, New Zealand. Of course, all over South America. I mean, Bolivians were. Bolivians were like that kind of helped build this with, league. With you know, Marco yeah, yeah, I mean those guys and and you know Colombia, you know with El Pibe Valderrama and and uh, you know Hristo Stoichkov from Bulgaria. He was one of the trailblazers of this league as well. One of the first big players who was here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, guys from from all over. You know, all over. Who's the? There was a uh, what was his name? Digital. Ah, oh, what's his name? There was a kid from Africa who was like this. You know, he had this great, uh, great celebration dance in the late '90s in MLS. How am I forgetting his name? Digital, like Takawara or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that that's what's that's what's so neat about MLS is that you have had, you do have players from all parts, and not just like from, you know, in Argentina. You look at the Argentina league, and it's just it's all Argentines, and then like some Paraguayans and Uruguayans, right. and like maybe a couple Chileans, and like that's it. Like no, like here in MLS, you get all across the board. We just need a Mexican and Austin FC, just one, just one. <laughs> yeah, gosh, that's <laughs> that's you know. the one that I, I like. I like everything you guys are doing. Great, you know, results come, whatever. But give me one Mexican because that way, if I really, really want to like give a little more of my input, yeah. it's like I know this guy right here, and I've seen him play. I know he can do better. Well, I remember there was a rumor oh, um, with Hector Moreno. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. And I got a chance to speak with Hector before the Gold Cup two years ago, before mm-hmm. the 2021 Gold Cup, and I said, "Was that?" Was there ever something to that about you going to Austin? Because by then he'd gone to Monterey and mm-hmm. he's with Rayados and everything. 
And he just said, no, no, just, you know, something people talked about on, on Twitter. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, if you talk to somebody like Hector Moreno is, you know, imminent. The signing is imminent. <laughs> I know. Uh, Layun is the one that uh, he Layun was in was Austin for one. vacation yeah. in December. And they're like, oh, he's coming. And, and everybody like, everybody went nuts. And, and I was like, uh, oh, he's coming. You know, like, he's a, he's a target. I'm like, well, it, it would be really great to, to get uh, a Mexican national team player here. I don't know who it might be at, at this stage. I mean, I'm just racking my brain right now. I mean, I'm surprised Memo Ochoa hasn't come to MLS right. yet. I think that is going to happen. I gotta think that's gonna happen. Man, I mean, the sponsors, the sponsors would just line up, <laughs> right, uh, for Memo. But I think he's he really wants to still be in Europe, so I'm, I don't blame him for that. Yeah, and I know Guardado just signed uh, an extension with Betis, with, with Betis, not too long ago. And I mean, who's another guy who you could maybe see coming over here? I mean, maybe Raúl Jiménez. You know, yes, winning MLS Cup would be cool, but what would be great is to see. Uh, you know, maybe a kid from East Austin, South Austin, where somewhere in the Austin area, you know, rise up through the academy, make his debut with the first team, um, you know, reach the national team, you know, and then get sold overseas. Like what I would love, what would be wonderful to see is a, is an, a kid from Austin playing in a Champions League final. That's what I want to see. That would I mean, be great. How, how cool would that be to see, you know, you got a kid from Austin, and let's use, you know, David Rodriguez as an example, you know, playing for... You know, Real Madrid or or Liverpool in a in a Champions League final like that's that to me is like that's what the goal is you know Austin winning MLS Cup that's cool U.S. Open Cup whatever winning trophies winning titles but really you know it's about taking because there's you got to think there's talented kids around here I mean there's talented kids in all these other sports who are from Austin there's got to be you know some great some great footballers here and to see one of them on the biggest stage yes in a World Cup but like, I mean, you know, the Champions League final that we just had a week and a half ago, how cool would it have been to see a, a kid from Austin on either Inter or Manchester City? I mean, <laughs> that's what I want to see. Man, I am. Um, honestly, this is one of those things that, like, hopefully when it happens, we're going to come back to this yeah. audio recording. Yeah. And say. Hopefully, and we're, we're still here. We're like, oh, I remember. Yeah. And this, you know, in this uh, Tuesday when it was almost, we lost the audio for this, this episode. <laughs> We mentioned this, and it came to uh, an actual uh, was it was that word? Um, it came to to re it became a reality. Yes, yes, so yes. That's good. Cumplió, um, yeah. Se cumplió. But Archie, uh, I appreciate you coming. Thank you, Richie. Uh, it was a it was a stretch. It's a one pleasure. of those that it was, it was like right like right in there. But we were we got it done. In. We got um, it done, and it's great. I I'm I'm grateful for it. And how can people follow you? Anyone that wants to reach out and have questions? Yeah, so if anybody's interested, they can follow at, at Archbell. That's that's uh, that's my handle on Twitter, and that's where I, I spend most of my my time, I guess. You know, if uh, if if on, online or on social media, um, and then for any of my writing, anything that pretty much anything that you see on the Concacaf website comes from me. So anything from a match recap, preview, interviews, those types of stories. Um, I also do a lot of, I also do a fair amount of work for, with ESPN FC. So actually I'll have a piece coming out later on this week about inter Miami and, and, and MLS and is it time to change the, the spending restrictions? Should we start loosening the spending res restrictions for MLS teams and, and, and allow the, these clubs who are ambitious and really want to like pay top dollar for some top players to allow them to do that. So mm -hmm. uh, a piece coming out on ESPN FC about that. So I do occasionally contribute to, to ESPN FC, but most of my stuff with CONCACAF. That's great. Great. And, uh, and once again, thank you. I'm looking forward to the article because I think 
there should be a change. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Austin FC would love to, to be able to do that too, especially when you get into playing what they're doing this year, four different competitions in a season, you need some more flexibility on your roster. You just do. Right. Right. Um, and everybody, uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Um, the, the re recipe for the drink that we had today will be out as well. Yes. Uh, we had a little change to it because I don't like pineapple juice. So I just saw some people running. The game is about to start in about an hour, so I just saw people running to the stadium. <laughs> yeah, so. hopefully, hopefully, to start, hopefully it's not too late of a night for everybody with uh, with these with the with thunderstorms. These storms. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh it, it's an, an eventful day, and I think it's gonna be an eventful night. Yes, for it everyone. will. I think so. Yeah. Um. Thank you for listening, and we'll stay in touch. Se cuidan, se portan bien, y arriba el América. Ha, 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 ha.